Joel chapter 1 and verse 14. I'm going to be in Matthew in a little while. But it says, Consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of, of the Lord to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Now this is uh, the prophet Joel that was calling the entire nation uh, of Israel uh, to a time of prayer and fasting. And uh, the reason why he was calling for that is because... Uh, Judah had begun rebelling against the Lord. They had turned, their hearts had turned away from God, and they were starting to do evil things, wicked things. They were building idols. They were putting their trust in man and in the things of man. And because of that, they were turning away from God. And Joel, in his spiritual discernment, realized that the nation was in trouble. And through the, through the, the move of God in his life, he caused the whole nation to gather together for prayer and for fasting. And so through a corporate effort of prayer and fasting, uh, you know, he could see God's judgment coming. There was already judgment. The locusts had eaten, eaten everything green in the land. All their crops were eaten up. And they were already experiencing judgment. And he, and he knew further judgment was coming. So he calls the people together in repentance and prayer and asking God for forgiveness. And the judgment of God was turned and instead of the curse, they were blessed. Amen? And, and so God restored that which that canker worm had eaten. And the blessing and the restoration of the Lord came on the people of God. How many of you know that the church can make a big difference even in an entire nation whenever they see God? And that's why we're calling for a corporate time of prayer and fasting. It's seeking the blessing and favor of God instead of the judgment of God. Amen? And so, you know, some say, well, God's not a judgmental God. Well, they got two sides of God's character. He's very merciful and very gracious, but he will not repent. He will not relent on, on dealing with evil and with wickedness. Amen. And so there's you, it, just like gravity, you can't bypass the law of God. If you rebel against God, there will be a price tag associated with that. And you know, if you're like me, it, you know, it, I don't, I can't live a perfect life and I need God's mercy and God's grace. Don't you? And so we're asking the entire congregation, the men, women, and children to, to consider setting some time in the next 21 days to fast and pray. And the purpose is to humble ourselves in repentance and humility under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, it says, therefore, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you or lift you up at the proper time. How many of you would like God to lift you up, bless you, favor you in 2012? God promises to those who seek him that he will lift them up. Amen? Now listen, there's a bunch of things in life that will knock you down and drive you into the ground. But God says, if we, the people of God, will humble ourselves under His mighty hand, that He will not knock us down, but He will lift us up. Amen? And so therefore, we're establishing a prayer vigil. And so, uh, uh, 21 days, we're going to have prayer meetings here. The first week, starting Monday morning at 6 a.m., we're going to have three prayer meetings a day, 6 a.m., 12 noon, 6.30 p.m., except on Saturday mornings, we'll let you sleep a little bit later, and it'll be at 8 o'clock. Amen? And so then, and then the second week, after the first week is done, we will have prayer meetings every night for the rest of those 21 days. Why are we doing that? Because we want God's touch. Because we want God's favor. If you read your Bible, everywhere and any time, the people of God humbled themselves under God's mighty hand. God touched them and blessed them. 
Every time you see a people of God walking away from God, God's favor was removed off their life. They were given over to their enemies and their lives started falling apart. I don't want my life to fall apart. I want my life to be blessed and favored of God. And I want the church, the congregation to be blessed and favored of God. Amen. And so this is, this is the kingdom business. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. And so if we put God first in our life, God will honor that and bless us. Amen. And so back there in the foyer, you'll notice there's some resources. There's a fasting guide. You know, it looks like this. Pastor Rob put this together and, and it's just a resource, you know, answers questions and gives you some how-tos. And there's prayer guides. There's a, a topic to pray for for every one of the 21 days. There's uh, Hebrew names of God. So you can meditate on and just you can, you can pray that back to God. And there's, uh, there's a prayer schedule back there. So you can put that in your Bible and, and remember when the prayer meetings are. And the pastors will be leading prayer meetings here uh, uh, every day. And, and we're going to seek the Lord. Amen. And I don't know if you've ever read this book, but this uh, Jensen Franklin, a pastor of a church in, in Georgia, uh, they've been doing this 21-day fast for many years, and he's written a book about fasting and prayer and about the value of a fast and, and a church that will fast. And it's just a real inspiring read. Many of you have read it already, but I encourage you, if you don't have the book, you can go into the Resource Center and you could purchase it there. Amen? And I want to just encourage you to read things on prayer. Read things on fasting. You can, you could, you, there's stuff in the bookstore. There's stuff in the resource center. There's old messages you can get and all that kind of stuff. But encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen? To fast and pray. You know, because our, our natural man don't want to do that. Amen? And so in Matthew chapter 6, here we go. In verse 5, Jesus said, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees what is done in the secret will reward you. Now, listen, the Lord says that if you pray in secret, God will reward you secretly. And so some say, well, I'm not coming to no prayer meeting. I'm going to do it secretly. Well, in the Bible, there were private times of prayer and there were corporate times of prayer. And sometimes God called the body of Christ together. Now, we're not going to go all over Lafayette and proclaim, guess what we're doing? Because our motive is all wrong. We're looking for, for, the, uh, for the approval of man, but that's not what we're after. We're after the approval of God. Amen. And so he said, you know, don't, you know, don't go around tooting your horn and talk about how spiritual you are. Just keep that quiet and just show up and pray. Amen? And he says, listen, if you get in the secret place and you pray, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Amen? Now, verse 16, he says, whenever you fast, don't put on your gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so they may be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus said, when you fast, hey, put on some deodorant, take a bath, wash yourself, amen. Don't leave your hair all messed up, comb it down, and just don't look like you're just trying to put on ashes, and amen. You know, look normal and just... Deny yourself and, and seek God. And he says, if you will do that, when you fast and you pray, he encourages everyone that he will reward you. He says, when you fast and when you pray. In other words, he's encouraging us not to keep it as an option, but when you do it, 
Do it. Amen? Do it, he says. When you pray and when you fast. You know, there is, uh, there is fasting and prayer that God uses to help us draw closer to him. And so let's look at the first discipline. The discipline of fasting. What is fasting? It's the abstaining of food or water for the purpose of giving your full attention to God. That's the purpose. You know, some people fast to lose weight. It's a diet. This is not what we're talking about. It's not the diet that we're after. We're trying to get closer to God. Amen? And so, listen, there are different ways to fast. There's the Daniel's fast, which is staying away from king's foods like meat, sweets, and fancy foods. There's the partial fast, eating only a reduced amount of food, like eating one meal a day or skipping one or two meals a day. There's the juice fast, when you don't eat solid food and you just drink water and juice. Or then there's the complete fast, when you drink only water. Amen. Now, every time, um, every time you hear this stuff, your body... Just, uh, you know, just rebels against you. It says, I don't like that. Amen. And so, but how many of you know this is good for us? Even the secular community acknowledges that people fasting is healthy for them. Amen. Now, you got to be careful. You know, if you've never fasted before, don't go on a 40-day juice fast or a water fast because, you know, your body might just totally shut down. Amen. And so you got to do it with sense. But on the other hand, some people say, well, I can't fast. You know, I got some health issues. Well, Pastor Brad was telling us Wednesday night that his daughter, she's pregnant, so she's got to be careful. And the Lord spoke to her and said, honey, you can fast. Leave, a, you know, leave those Diet Cokes alone and that fast food alone. And so here she is. She's getting it. Amen. She's on a fast. Amen. And then some people say, well, I'm a fast anchovies. You know, I'm a, I'm a fast sardines. You know, and, uh, and so, you know, that's a real sacrifice. But how many of you know, how many of you know, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get closer to God, you can't let your flesh dictate to you who's in charge. Amen. Come on. Our belly will send us into the grave prematurely if we let him have his way. Can I get a better amen? And so, listen, if you've never fasted, start slow. But you know what I found out? Even if you just, if you've never fasted, just thinking about fasting one meal a day, you're going to get a headache. You know, well, why is that? Because your body psychologically, spiritually, there's a spiritual element involved here. The devil don't want you to abstain from food to draw closer to God because he knows what's going to happen. Amen. And so you got to know that, that there's a spiritual battle ahead as you try and pursue God. But listen, God rewards fasting. Amen. Daniel learned this lesson. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. But in Daniel chapter 1, you know, Daniel was a Hebrew boy that was brought into a, a, a pagan uh, king's palace uh, and to be taught the ways of the pagans and, and all that. But in verse 8, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And so he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. In verse 12, he said, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. See, the servant said, I'm not going to do that, man. If you lose weight and you start looking scrawny and all that, the king's going to take my head for mistreating you. He said, well, let's just try it out. In verse 14, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youth who had been eating the king's choice food. 
So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine, and they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. So Daniel asked permission for him and his three friends to fast by eating only vegetables and drinking water. And so he went on a 10-day vegetable and water fast. Now watch how God honored his fast, setting himself aside for the sake of, of seeking the Lord. In verse 16, so the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youth, God gave them knowledge and intelligence and every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Daniel received supernatural intelligence and wisdom because he was fasting. Amen. And it says that he received the ability to interpret visions and dreams. And that saved his life later on. You remember that? Later, he was miraculously delivered from the lion's den. Remember that? I mean, he was supposed to get tore up by these lions, but they threw him in that den. They had some hungry lions in there, and they didn't touch him because he had the supernatural favor of God on his life. Amen. After they pulled him out, they threw somebody else in there, and the lions went to lunch. Amen. So it wasn't because they weren't hungry. It's because God supernaturally touched them. Are y'all with me out there? Amen. And so eventually Daniel was promoted to the high place of leadership in the Babylonian empire. Daniel's life was supernaturally blessed because he learned to give his full attention to the Lord through fasting and prayer. Listen, if we can grab a hold of this, that God honors a heart that is devoted to him. Amen? Church is not enough, brothers and sisters. I mean, great that we go into church. We, a long time we didn't do that, but we need to pursue God. In Matthew 16, 17, Jesus said, But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God honors biblical fasting. Amen? Let me just give you a couple of rewards of fasting. Number one, fasting gives you greater spiritual authority to break demonic strongholds off your life. And you know, in in Mark chapter 9 and verse 29, Jesus said to them, the disciples, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now this is what Jesus told the disciples in response to their question. Remember their question? They they prayed for this boy that was demon-possessed and he couldn't heal him. And then the father brought him to Jesus. Jesus delivered him. And they come to Jesus and they said, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Fasting adds spiritual power and authority to your prayer. Amen? Fasting adds spiritual fuel to the fire of your prayer. It increases God's anointing on your life. In Isaiah 58 and verse 6, He says, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke and let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? You know, every year during prayer and fasting, we get all these testimonies of how God breaks strongholds off of people's lives, how God delivers them from this, this tormenting oppression that they've been having for a long time. Boom, God breaks it. Amen. I don't know if you remember a couple, I think it was last year, there was a man that shared testimony that during the prayer and fasting in one of the worship services, God touched him and he he hadn't been struggling to sleep for many, many years and God miraculously touched his life and he was able to go home and go to sleep and have deep sleep. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on, God will deliver you, amen? He'll deliver you from the strongholds of the adversary that'll try to hold you back, amen? 
The second great reward of fasting is number two, fasting kills your flesh, allowing you to be spiritually controlled. You know, this is where we fall down. Our flesh don't want to be killed. Amen. But Galatians 5, 17 says, I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires in opposition uh, against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you might not do the things that you please. You know, there's two ways you can live life. Live a life led, controlled by the flesh, or live a life controlled by the Spirit. Now, if you're controlled by the flesh, it will lead you to destruction. If you're controlled by the Spirit, it will lead you to life. Amen? In Romans 7, 18, Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Amen? How many of you know if you let your flesh have its way, your flesh will kill you. Your flesh will destroy you. Nothing good comes out of living a fleshly driven life. Nothing good. Remember Esau. He lost his promise, firstborn birthright, inherited blessing. Why? Because of a bowl of lentil soup. He couldn't deny his appetite. He had to have it, and he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. That's terrible, isn't it? You remember Adam and Eve? They lost their position. In paradise. Why? Because they could not control their appetite and had to eat the forbidden fruit. What causes most divorces? Uncontrolled fleshly desires. What causes most addictions? Uncontrolled fleshly desires. What causes most crimes and financial ruin? Uncontrolled flesh. Amen? How many of you know your flesh will do you wrong? Your flesh will mess you up. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Destruction and life are laid out before us like two bowls of soup. And it's up to us which one that we're going to eat out of. One will bring destruction. The other will bring life. But you and I get a choice of eating, deciding which one we're going to eat out of. When we can choose the, which bowl to live out of. Amen? And so, uh, you know, if we live out of the right bowl, life is going to be blessed. If we live out of the wrong bowl, life is not going to be so blessed. I could take you to the Lafayette Parish Correctional Center and give you about three or four hundred people that will tell you, don't go that way. Amen? Don't go that route. You heard about that Indian chief, and uh, he had two dogs. He had a, 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 a black dog and a white dog, and he'd, he'd bring them out in the village and let all the, all the Indians gather around, and he'd let them fight. But before they'd fight, he'd say, the white dog is going to win today. And they, he would let them go, and they would fight, and the white dog would win. Next time he'd come out, he'd say, the black dog is going to win today. He'd let them out, let them fight, the black dog would win. So the Indian said, you know, how do you know this? How can you tell which one is going to win? He said, it's very, very easy. I know the one that is going to win is the one that I feed the best and the most. And here's the principle. The one that's going to win out in our life is the one that we feed the most. Is the one that we cherish the most. Is the one that we cater to the most. And our flesh has a huge advantage over the spirit man. Amen? Amen? I mean, we got to live in this fleshly tent. 
we got to live in this fleshly world. And so we live in a disadvantage. Amen. So fasting is a great time to just push the fleshly bowl away and say, hold up. Let me eat out of this bowl of the spirit. Let me, let me feed my spirit man so he's going to win out of my life and he won't take me to destruction. Amen. Fasting and prayer allows you to feed your spirit man and it kills your flesh. You know, listen, whenever you get weak, that's a good thing. Whenever you get, you know, whenever you just like, you don't know what to do with yourself, that's a good thing. Because that, that's you telling your flesh you're not going to have your way for a season here. Amen. And so your flesh starts to die, your flesh starts to get weakened, and while your flesh is getting weaker, your spirit man is starting to soar. Amen? You start to feel the presence of God like never before. You start to sense the closeness of God like never before. Amen? And when you start eating out of that bowl, you say, man, this is better soup than that bowl of the flesh over there. I think I'm going to have me a little bit more. Amen? Amen. The third reward of fasting is fasting brings you into a state of humility. In Psalm 35, 13, David said, I put on sackcloth and I humbled myself with fasting. Fasting breaks the spirit of pride off of our life and brings us into a state of humility. And, and what happens is, and the blessing of humility releases the greater grace of God. That's what the scripture says. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, All of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. You know, there's something about fasting. It breaks pride off your life because you don't have the energy to be, to be cocky. Amen? You don't have the energy to be haughty. You're weak. How you doing? I'm doing good. You're doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing good. It brings you to the state of humility. But you know what it does? It positions you to receive the grace of God. Amen? Listen, while, while we're all proud and cocky and arrogant, it, it resists God's grace. God's grace can't come around that. He smells it and wants to get away from it. But whenever we get to that place of humility, it attracts the presence of God. It attracts the grace of God. It attracts the touch of God. How many of you want the touch of God on your life? Now you say, well, I'm not, I'm not really not that proud. That's why you need to fast. Because you don't realize, amen? You know, I, if you ever go to a third world country and you get around people in third world countries, you realize how arrogant we are as Americans. You know, that pizza's cold. I want another pizza. People in third world countries would be glad to have a pizza. Amen? Man, this car is bumpy. This car is hot. People in other countries would just love to have a car. Amen? And so God wants to bring us to a place in a state of humility. Fasting brings humility, and humility brings God's abundant grace. What is God's grace? Well, God's grace is undeserved empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our ability. How many of you know grace is undeserved? By grace are you saved. We don't deserve to be saved. God just allowed us to be saved. Amen? But God has more than just grace to be saved. God has grace to live a pure life. Amen? God has grace 
to get closer to God. God has grace to experience his favor in your life. He's got grace to help your marriage work. Amen. He's got grace to help you overcome problems in your life. He's got grace to help you live in an abundant life and give you strength in difficult times. I need more grace. How about you? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Fasting allows you to live in a great, in a great way under the power and the sufficiency of the grace of God. How do people make it through dark, difficult times of life? The grace of God. Amen. That's how. God gives them grace. Fasting is very valuable. It's very profitable. In, in a lot of circles, you never hear about it. You know, there's a carnal Christians don't want to talk about fasting. Their flesh don't want to hear that kind of stuff. But listen, if we want to draw closer to God, listen, we're in this thing, right? Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you are saved? Let me see your hands. Listen, we're in this thing, amen? So while we're in this thing, let's go for it, amen? Let's go for what God has, amen? Come on, we just got on the seashore of what God has for us. There's more in store for the people of God. Come on, let's deny our flesh and fast our flesh and and just press in with God. Let's go for more in the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me out there? How many of you with me? Say amen. amen. Come on, let's do this, amen. Now, the second discipline Jesus encouraged us in is the discipline of prayer. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, But you, when you pray, go into your into room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. No, He said, your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That means other people are going to see the blessing of God on your life. Amen. You're going to see it outwardly and openly. Amen. You know, you see somebody, you know, walking around blessed. You could say, man, you must have been walking with God because I can see the blessing of God on your life. And so Jesus said he would reward openly those who practice the discipline of prayer. In Luke 18, 1, Jesus uh, talking to his disciples. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Remember that story in Luke 18? He's, he told this story about a widow and, and, and she had an enemy trying to, trying to sue her, take her to court. And she went to the city judge because she couldn't afford to pay for a whole highfalutin judge. And so she went to the city judge and she said, judge, help me out. Just come on, you know, make my case for me. This guy's trying to take advantage of me. And the judge, the Bible says that he didn't, he had no compassion for people, neither feared God. But he said, because she kept asking me, I decided I'm going to go court with her and I'm a justify I'm a I'm a I'm a helper out of this mess and Jesus said if this unrighteous judge is going to help this poor widow woman how much more a righteous judge the king of kings and the lord of lords will he not help you if you cry out to him day and night asking him for his mercy and his grace amen that's a great encouragement right there amen Jesus made special effort to teach us that we should always pray and never give up some people pray for a while but either get too busy distracted or discouraged, or don't believe in it, and quit praying. But Jesus said, keep praying, don't give up. Always pray. Did you know that prayer can change your life? Prayer can change your circumstances, amen? James chapter 5 and verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
Let me just kind of talk about the results of prayer, the powerful results of prayer. Number one, prayer affords you the opportunity to live a spirit-filled life. Remember, we just talked about it. If you live a fleshly-filled life, you're just going to please your carnal body, and it's going to lead you to destruction. But if you live in the Spirit, it's going to bring you to life. In Luke eleven thirteen, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You can have more of the presence and the anointing of God on your life than you have right now. How? You got to ask Him. Amen? How many of you believe that? Are you with me? Are you still with me today? Amen. Now, what is the anointing of God? It's the presence and spiritual authority of God. Amen. To do ministry. Remember Jesus in Luke 4 and verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The anointing of God gave Jesus the ability and the authority to do supernatural ministry. Amen? He did miracles. He, did, he delivered people. He multiplied things. He did incredible things. Why? Because the anointing of God was on his life. And listen, the anointing of God wasn't just for Jesus. He said, greater works will you do. He said, there's an anointing that abides in you. In, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus said, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. How many of you want an anointed ministry, a fruitful ministry? How many of you want to see God do more? Is there anybody hungry for more of God in here today? Come on, are you with me today? How do you get that? Jesus said, if a natural father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think we should ask him for more. Come on. How many of you want more today? Spirit of the living God, stir our hearts today and give us a great hunger for more. A second powerful result of prayer is prayer breaks mental and emotional anxiety off your life. Amen. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, we don't have to be mentally and emotionally tormented with fear and with worry. Amen. Hey, bless God. We can be free by bringing all our burdens to God in prayer. Amen. God's grace will help us unload the burdens that we're carrying. That's breaking our body down, crowding our mind, crowding our heart, making us oppressed. The Lord says, Be anxious for nothing. And I'll tell you how you don't do that. Bring everything to God in prayer. Amen. Amen. Bring it all to God in prayer. And God, all of a sudden, hears your prayer, hears your cry. And all of a sudden, he just takes that bag of weights right off of you. And all of a sudden, you feel lighter, but your circumstances hadn't changed. It's on his shoulders now. He said, the government shall be on my shoulders. I'll take care of your problems. Amen. You just stay close to me. Amen. Prayer breaks mental and emotional anxiety. A third powerful result of prayer is prayer helps you or uh, helps you or keeps you from making, helps you to make right choices and good decisions. There we go. 
Prayer will help you make right choices and good decisions. How many of you know where we are right now is a result of the choices that we made, good or bad? And where we're going to be at the end of this year is going to be a result of the choices that we make, good or bad? If we make the right choices, we're going to be in a good place. If we make wrong choices, we're going to be in a bad place. Amen? So we've got to make right choices if we want to be at right places. That's deep theology right there, huh? In James chapter 1, verse 5, James said, if anyone you, any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Listen, we don't have to keep making wrong choices and bad decisions. We can pray and ask God to help us make good decisions. Amen? Prayer and fasting is a great time to ask God for wisdom to make right choices. Now listen, between now and the end of the year, we're going to make thousands of choices and decisions. So we need help to make the right ones. Do you agree? So before we have to make all those decisions, it would be good to prepay. Prepay? Prepay. There we go. Amen. Prepay sounds good too. Amen. But you know, it would be good right now to say, Lord, I'm going to have to make some big decisions down here. I'm going to have to make a lot of decisions. Some of the decisions I make won't seem that big, but they're going to be huge. So, Lord, as I start this year, would you give me wisdom? How many of you believe we need wisdom? Prayer helps you to make wise choices. He said, if you lack wisdom, hey, alert, notice, warning. All of us lack wisdom. That's everybody. If you don't think you lack wisdom, you just proved you do. Amen. Isn't that right? And so listen, a good scripture to praise, Isaiah 11 2. 11 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on you. Come on, we need the Spirit of God to rest on us. Not just touch us and leave, to rest on us. Amen. Come on. We need the Spirit of God to find a home in us, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's a good scripture to pray right there. Lord, I pray your Spirit rest upon me. I pray the Spirit of wisdom be upon me. I pray that the Spirit of understanding, help me to understand, Lord. I pray the Spirit of counsel would be upon me. I pray the Spirit of strength and power. I need strength to make it through, Lord. I pray the Spirit of knowledge. And Lord, I pray the fear of the Lord would be on me. Don't let me lose the fear of the Lord. Help me to have a fresh fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. It's a good scripture to pray. And so through prayer... The power of prayer is we can make right choices by asking God for His wisdom. The fourth powerful result of prayer is prayer allows you to hear God's voice and receive divine guidance. Divine guidance. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He said, Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you. Amen. He's going to tell us. Unsearchable things. That we don't know right now. How many of you know God. Knows everything. And he could share with us. Some more of what he knows. That can really help us out in life. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time. You heard God speak to you. That you could say. God spoke to me. 
You know the Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And I know, are you one of his sheep? Are you hearing his voice? Saints of God, we need to hear the voice of God. If we don't hear the voice of God, we're going to follow the voice of the stranger. We need to hear the voice of God. Amen. And he says in prayer, you can hear. Prayer allows you to hear. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you. I will speak to you. Amen. Prayer tunes your spiritual ears into the frequency of the Lord's voice. Amen. How many of you know one word from God can totally, radically, miraculously change your life? We need to hear the voice of God. So I challenge you, set aside time to pray and to fast and to seek God and ask Him to speak to you. Tell Him you want to hear His voice. You know, when I was studying for this, it's the first time this ever happened to me. Right as I was studying this, I felt like the Lord gave me a word, a prophetic word to utter in this service. And then the word is, the Lord says there are some here who have never heard the voice of the Lord in their life. But God says, if you will genuinely seek me through prayer and fasting, I will unstop your spiritual ears and speak to you concerning questions you've had for years. Now, I don't know who that's for, but I believe it's for somebody in here. And God is saying, you're my sheep. You're supposed to hear my voice. I'm going to take the wax out of your ears and give you spiritual ability to hear my voice. Hey, that's worth it right there. Amen. I will tell you great and unsearchable things. A fifth powerful result of prayer is prayer opens the door to God's unlimited resources and blessings in your life. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Prayer is God's open invitation for us to bring all our needs to him. How many of you have needs? It's an IQ test. How many of you have needs? Amen. We all have needs, don't we? Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Amen. Let your request. The Lord wants us to bring all our needs to him. In Everything, let your requests be made known to God. All your needs, all your burdens, all your desires, all your frustrations. Bring them all to me. I care about all of them. Cast your cares on them because I care for you, he says. Come on, unload the weight that you have in your life. Bring it to me and I will lighten your load and you'll have a new spring in your step. You will have a new freshness in your life. Amen. That's what happens when we fast and pray. The Lord wants us to bring everything. F.B. Myers said this, The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but it's unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Be joyful always and pray continually. God's will is that we pray continually. Amen? I believe that prayer is the greatest untapped resource in the world. 
in the universe. Amen. I mean, think about it, brothers and sisters, that the creator, the God of the universe that holds all this together, that keeps the sun burning. Who would like to feel that thing? And he keeps it burning for hundreds and thousands of years. He holds all the waters. He spoke to the sand and said, hold the sea right here. And the sea gets to the sand and the the sand says, the Lord told me to tell you to go back. And the sea turns around and goes back. The creator of the universe, the God of heaven says, call on me and I will answer you. And I will show you and tell you and speak to you things that you do not know. Amen. Come on, let's ask the Lord to deliver us from prayerlessness. Come on, we need healing from prayerlessness. Amen. You know, the the man of God said, oh, that I I might sin by not praying for you. Come on, let's ask God to deliver us from prayerlessness and cause us to have a spirit of prayer in our life. Amen. Whoo, glory. James chapter 5, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power. People that have great power, people that pray have great power and produce wonderful results. Now listen, although prayer for the Christian is the greatest privilege, it's also many times his greatest failure. How many of you would say today that you struggle with prayer? Can I get, a, can I get, a, can I get honesty in the church of God today? Let me, well, let me start by saying I, I struggle. Anybody else? Does that help? I struggle. Don't, you know, I, I would venture to say that the majority of us, the majority of us struggle with the practice of prayer. But you know what? Listen, you're in good company. Even Jesus' disciples struggled with prayer. In, in Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now listen. I believe the disciples would not have asked Jesus to teach them to pray unless they were struggling with prayer. Are you all with me on that? If they knew how to do it, they wouldn't be asking for help, right? Well, they were saying, I need some help, Lord. I need some help with prayer. I believe they were struggling with the practice of prayer. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing over the decision to go to the cross? And while he was doing that, he he knew he was about to die on the cross. He needed his disciples' support, prayerful support, more than any other time. Do you remember what happened? He comes to his disciples, and what are they doing? They're sleeping. Matthew 26, 40, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that needs to be cultivated in every Christian's life. Amen? So how do you cultivate the habit and the practice of prayer? By praying. You learn to pray by praying. Amen? You learn to pray by making a priority. You learn to pray by making a commitment. I am not going to be prayerless. I'm going to be prayerful. I'm going to start praying. I don't know how, I struggle with it, but I'm going after it, amen? How many of you know we do everything we want to do? We will do everything that's important to us. Jay Sidlow Baxter said, we're all too busy to use the mightiest weapon that God has given us, which is prayer. It's what the next 21 days is about. You know, it would be great if everybody in this building today would make some effort to fast and pray in seeking God. 
You know, Jesus said, fast and pray that you don't enter into temptation. You see, a prayerless person is a powerless person. A prayerless person will be given into temptation. Amen? The more you seek God, the more you pray, the more you'll have power over temptation. And temptation is designed to take you into the trap of Satan. Amen? And so we need to pray, saints of God. We need to tap into the vine so we have the strength of God in our lives. So our light continues to burn. And so we have energy and we have the power to overcome the enemy that is looking to try to destroy your life and my life. Don't wait till you get into a bad place. Don't wait till you get into a corner where you're in a tight place. Pray now so that you stay out of that tight place. Amen. Are y'all with me today? Come on, stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as we begin to seek God. Listen, wake up a little bit earlier. You know what time you got to get up in the morning to get out of the house. Listen, come here. Come at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, the Bible says that Jesus often got up early, way before it was dark. And he went out of his house to a solitary place to pray. You know, some of us, you know, if we get out of bed to pray, we're just going to sleep in our chair. Some of us, we need to get up, take a shower, and go somewhere. Come to church. Come to the prayer meeting. Amen? And it'll help you to pray. Take your lunch hour. You know, take a break. Close your door. Get in your car. Go to the park. Bring your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray. Listen, if you don't know how to pray, begin there. Say, God, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to tell you. Just start like that. And before you know it, you're going to be talking. Amen. Some of us, we can talk. We can talk to a a bush. We can talk to to a post. We can talk to anybody. When it comes to God, we don't know what to say. Just say something. Just say, God, I need your help, man. I don't know what to. I don't know how to talk to you, but I want to learn how to pray. Help me, Lord, deliver me. Amen. So encourage you. Enter into the time of prayer. You know we have this chest up here in in in, uh, Hebrews eleven one. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We got a hope chest. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to write down prayer requests. Bring them into the chest. We're going to put the chest at the, at the foot of the cross. We're bringing our needs to Jesus. Amen. We're bringing our needs to Jesus. And we're asking God to help us. How many of you have some needs? You don't have to write them down and put them here. But there's something about saying, Lord, I need some help with. Do you know that in itself is a prayer? I need my, I need some help. Don't forget what you wrote down. And you talk to God about that. 21 days. We're going to pray and ask God. Hey, I'm, I'm believing for great things to happen. I'm believing for miracles to happen. I'm, I'm believing for breakthrough. For souls to be saved. Lives to be changed. I'm praying for deliverance. Amen. Come on, how many of you want God to do a great work in your life? Father in heaven, I pray, stir us today. Stir us today, God. Give us a great fire and passion and fervency for you. Lord Jesus, I pray today that, God, you would give us the grace, Lord, to be able to pray. Lord, we need grace to do everything. And today, God, our first prayer is, May the grace of God be on us and with us to do your will and to seek your face, God. Lord, help us today. I pray the grace of God 
on every family and every heart and every life, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus.